We are in our second week of our series, This Is Us, and it has nothing to do with the television uh, uh, show that I've never seen one episode of. We have stolen that name. Uh, some of us must like it. We have stolen that name uh, because what we really wanted to talk about uh, was the church, and not just like an autobiographical, this is information about who we are at Redeemer. No, we wanted to really explore some of the deep and meaningful reasons why we exist as a church. Who we are, where we're going, why it matters. And so last week we kicked off uh, the series talking about how really the center of the church is Jesus. Jesus changed everything, and we are built on the person and the promises that we have in Jesus Christ on, on, on the cross and the empty tomb is the heart of why the church exists. Uh, in two week, in next week, we're going to actually talk about uh, a five-year vision that we have been working towards, uh, uh, because this is a really important time in the life of our church, not just here at Redeemer, but in our Paraline campus as well. Uh, and, and we've been saying, you know, God, where are you leading us? What is it that you want to see? And we've uh, done a ton of prayer and a ton of planning, and we're going to share next week uh, a vision for what five years from now would look like. I'm really excited about that. This week, uh, we're actually going to roll out a brand new mission statement. Uh, also, a lot of work going into that as well, and, um, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. I'm, I really think that it's exactly what we need, and it's going to give us the direction that we need, and I want to get right into it because the time of the Texans game is not changing no longer, no matter how long I preached this morning. So let's go ahead and, and we'll pray and we'll get into it. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for these people and this place. And I want to thank you for your word where you speak to us. I pray now as we open it, uh, Lord, we open up your word. I pray that we would open up our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be soft to hear and listen. I pray that our, our minds would be ready and tuned in. Lord, I pray that you, your Holy Spirit would be at work here uh, in, in my lips and the work that gone into this, Lord, would you have mercy on me, would you speak through me, but Lord, would you also speak into the hearts and minds of these people whom you love, whom you've gathered and called us a church who are here, uh, and Lord, moving forward, and I pray that we would honor you and glorify you and build your church to change the world. It's in your name we pray. I want to show you guys uh, a picture to start out with. How, how many of you guys have seen this image? I see a good number of hands up. It's a famous picture. If you're not familiar with it, let me give you a little context. That is a picture of Gilcrest, Texas in 2008, after, right after Hurricane Ike came through. And it, it's an incredible picture because as far as the eye can see, right, uh, you look at this coastline that was filled with homes and, and structures and, and stuff, and it has been absolutely wiped away. Uh, I came through and just devastated uh, the people living in this little community. And, um, and what is also incredible about this picture is that there's one thing that your eyes immediately move towards. It's this house that is still standing. There is one home, one structure that after those waters rose and the wind blew, was made it through the whole thing and is still standing strong. It's, it's just an incredible, an incredible picture. Uh, how would you guys feel if you were the owner of that of that home? 
lucky, right? Grateful, thankful. You come back and everything is devastated. And then your home is the only one still standing. Be an overwhelming feeling. Um, how would you feel if you were the architect or the builder that built that home, right? <laughs> if I was going to build on the coast, I would find exactly who built that house and I would say, hmm, can we talk, right? Uh, it, I, if I was the architect, I would frame this image and put it in my office. I'd be very happy with uh, what happened. When I, when I first saw this picture, there was a scripture that immediately came to mind, and the words of it just kind of echoed through my head. I, I want to read it uh, to you guys this morning. I bet many of you uh, have thought of this as well. The words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Let me just say this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great Now this is a really simple, straightforward scripture. So often Jesus' teachings are, but it's also profound. On, on the other side of the simplicity are some really profound truths that, that you only in some ways learn through experience. Here's the first one that I want to share. There, there's a difference between hearing what Jesus says and doing what Jesus says. That's, that's, the, that's one of the main ideas Jesus is after. He's saying there's a difference between hearing what I say and actually doing what I say. And y'all, this is one of the most important differences of faith. We can sit in church and have a mental assent to the things that, that we, we believe are true, but until actually we take these words of Jesus and these things that are true and then work them back into our lives and let them change and, and make a difference in our lives, right? Uh, we still haven't built our house on the rock. We, we still haven't let our faith guide who we are. Uh, in the book of James, it says, don't just hear the word of God, right? Put it into practice. And that, that's what Jesus is, is saying. We, we've got to, to hear the words of Jesus and, and then build our life on, on those words, on his promises, on the things he tells us to do. And let me, let me say, if you are a person who has been uh, in church or a Christian for a while, but never has actually done the work of saying, Lord, lead me, guide me, what is it that you want me to do with my life, and then actually uh, listening and doing those things, nothing will transform your faith more than hearing what Jesus says and then actually coming back and putting it into practice. It makes all the difference. And I know folks who have done that know the moment you start following Jesus day by day, things change in a big way. Here's the second thing that really emerges from this passage for me. Uh, your life built on faith in Jesus is secure. That's a promise. Actually, there's a promise in this passage that Jesus is giving us. He's saying, your life 
when you hear what I say and you do it and you build your life on that foundation, it's going, it's going to be secure. You can trust that you're going to be okay. Verse 24, he says, Therefore, everyone, including you and me, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And he keeps going and he says, And those winds will roar and the waters will rise but your house will still be standing. And, and what that means is, is that when we actually do what Jesus tells us to do, uh, man, we, we're going to fail in life, we're going to mess up, but we're going to have this foundation of grace that still holds us and lets us work through that and, and, and move forward. We're going to have things that come at us in life that we cannot control, that are so far beyond uh, what what we ever wanted or expected. But man, uh, the promise here is that if we have a foundation in Christ, we're going to make it through. He's going to be with us. He's never going to leave us. He's always there. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful promise. And I know that there are those of us who have been through some stuff, man, and without Jesus, right, we wouldn't still be standing and, and hold this promise. It's a beautiful promise. You know, when Jesus first spoke these words, he really was offering them to individuals like you and me. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount where he was teaching a huge crowd of people and giving them lessons uh, in life. But, but this lesson is one that I think has a greater application because there's more than just our lives that really need a solid foundation and really need to be built on the promises and the person of Jesus Christ. And one that's really important for this series. You know what else needs to be built on a solid foundation in Jesus Christ? The church. The church needs to be built on, on the person and the promises of Jesus. This is all over the scripture. Just to give you a, a one example, in the book of Ephesians, Paul is talking to the church and he says three different times, who's the head of the church? He said Jesus is the head of the church. He's over all things in the church. He's the one that guides and directs the church. He makes that a point that Jesus is, is the head, the leader, the foundation of the church. When Jesus talks about himself as another instance in the Gospels, he uses language of construction. He says he is the cornerstone, that one stone that everything else is built on and what God is doing in the, in the world. He also calls himself the capstone, right? The end stone, the beginning and the end, right? Uh, uh, there's a famous song that many of us uh, love that also uses the language of construction. It says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and, and righteousness. And, and so what is so important is that not just our lives are built on the words and, and, and the leadership of Jesus. It's that when we come together as a community, as the church, that the church is built on the words and the leadership of, of Jesus, because if we build the church on on the leadership of Christ, it's going to stand. It's not. It's not why I why David thinks the church should exist, or what I want to get out of the church. The church exists because Christ called it into existence and leads it and guides us. And and when we understand the reasons Jesus wants the church to exist, then we see the firm foundation that that we need for us to exist and gather here on Sunday mornings and, and what we do together as a community. We, we want to know why Jesus says the church is good. And just to get really practical here, 
outside of the church, when we start talking about the reason something exists in uh, your workplace or in, a, in an organization you're part of, uh, what, is, what is the term that we typically use to talk about the reason for something existing? You guys know this. You've lived in these environments. What do we call that? A mission statement, right? Yes, good. Um, your boss would be proud, right? <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and mission statements are absolutely essential for any organization because what they do is they define the purpose of the organization. They say, this is the reason for us existing. And then, and then it not only sets direction for the future, but it helps establish the boundaries so that you don't, you don't go too far in what you're trying to do, right? When I know why I exist, I know why, what I'm doing when I get up in the morning, today and tomorrow and the next day, right? When, when we know why we exist, we have a measure to say, I am effective at the reason for my existence. And as an organization, it's really important. If this is why we exist, are we being effective in doing it? That, that's one of the most critical uh, things for an organization, especially a business, to answer, right? Because if you're not effective, you don't exist, right? In <laughs> um, not too long. Uh, the, the other thing that it does is you can look at a new opportunity uh, when you have a clearly defined mission statement and say, yeah, th that's a great thing for us to do. It's exactly why we're here. Or say uh, with something else, no, that, that, that's, that's actually a good idea. But I'm sorry, it's outside of the scope of why we exist. You guys probably know this stuff better than I do, right? But, but it begs the question in the church, uh, what is, what's our mission statement? What is the mission statement at Redeemer, at uh, First Methodist Fairland? Let me ask you a question. I actually know kind of where the answer to this is. How many of you guys know the mission statement of our church? <laughs> uh, that, that's funny. We know we've got some work to do on this. Actually, you guys may know it, uh, even though you don't know it, because you actually hear it every week. Uh, if you've been coming from the beginning, because uh, Mary Lee shares a version of it. Let me share the, the, the one thing it is, and then I'll share you what Mary Lee says. Our, vision, our, our mission statement is this, connect, connecting all to a greater life in Christ. Connecting all to a greater life in Christ. And in the welcome talk, since we got going, Mary Lee has shared a version of it where she says, we believe that there is a greater life found in a relationship in Jesus Christ, and we exist to connect people to that life. Where did it come from? Well, uh, Redeemer will, have, will be three years old next week. And when we started, as we're, we're one church with First Methodist and Pearland, we, we had this mission statement at our Pearland campus. And, and so we just carried it over over here. And we found a way to say it that made sense on Sunday mornings and what we do. Um, and it's been good. That, this has served us for a season. There are some good things about that mission statement. It's external. It says we want to connect more than just ourselves to Jesus. Uh, it also is good and that it centers around Jesus. We said where that greater life is found, it's in Christ, right? However, one of the things that we have sensed for a while is that it actually needs a little attention uh, because there's too much ambiguity in what, what it means, and it hasn't provided us a good enough uh, way to focus uh, and, uh, in what we do and, and even understand if we're being effective at it. And so I shared last week how we have been working with this group, the Unstuck Group, uh, who is trying to help us move forward as a church. They immediately picked up on this when they came in, and they said, you need a new mission statement. And we said, yeah, we know. And so over the last uh, six, seven months, 
we have been working on a, a, a mission statement uh, that would be new and very helpful, and that's what I'm going to share with you guys this morning. You actually already know it. Mary Lee shared it with you in the welcome talk, <laughs> but here, here it is. This is it. We exist to follow Jesus, lead others to Jesus, and change the world. This is us, Redeemer. Uh, we follow Jesus. We lead others to Jesus. We change the world. Not super flashy. It's not even as flashy as my bright red new shoes, right? It's, uh, it's simple, it's straightforward, and, and it's focused. Can you guys say it with me? Uh, one, two, three. Follow Jesus, lead others to Jesus, change the world. Thank you, you guys got it. Um, where did it come from? I, I want you to know that uh, this wasn't something where I was sitting watching an Astros game, worried about the score, and I was like, oh, guess what? We need a new mission statement. Like, that's not what happened here at all. There's been a process. And I, I want you to know that uh, this has firstly been a process bathed, bathed in prayer. Um, we have uh, been uh, praying uh, for our church specifically in the direction that we're sharing with you guys during the series for seven, eight months now. Been a lot of things we've been, been asking God to lead and to change. And so when we hired Unstuck, there was a process of prayer. When, when before they came, there was a concerted effort of prayer in church leadership. Once uh, we got into, the, there was a weekend retreat that we did. There was tons of prayer in that. There's been prayer since. I want you to know that, that every day your staff is, is working, we pray. And, uh, and we, we do not want this to simply be our minds or our hearts. It needs to be God's mind and God's heart. And so we do our best to seek that. Because uh, if this isn't from God, what are we doing? Okay. Uh, so, so it's been bathed in prayer. Here's the second thing. I want you to know it comes from the Bible. Uh, this is a mission statement that we have done tons of work in the scripture to get to. As part uh, of this retreat that I told you about, we uh, looked and opened up the Bible and found most every single verse we could that talked about the church and, and Jesus talking about the church and why it exists and what it does. And we actually ended up with like a sheet uh, a couple of sheets of paper with like 30, 35 verses on them. If Shannon wasn't gone this weekend, I would know where it is. I lost it, but I lose myself when she's gone. And I was going to show it to you guys, but I can't find it. But, but we looked at that and we said, what are the things, the themes that come out of here? The, these, these, these things that, where the Bible talks about the church and how do we focus them and give them language that, that is native and authentic to who we are? And, and that's also where this came from. Finally, uh, we knew that this, this mission stated needed to be actionable. And what I mean by that, we needed to be able to structure ministry around what, what we said our mission was. Uh, we needed to be able to focus uh, the different parts of what we do, and, and we needed to say, are we being effective at it? And so we built uh, this one, and I'll share you how it is, how it is those things in a little, but we built, follow Jesus, lead others to Jesus, change the world. That's, that's where we uh, landed. And let me break it down into parts. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. This is the language of discipleship. Churches exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ. This, this is uh, some language that is not language that we use today when we talk about disciples or discipleship. But it really is, it is biblical language, and it's really important to understand what it is. 
Uh, if you are a Christian, you are a disciple of Jesus. And actually what you do is you follow Jesus. That is how uh, discipleship is really defined. And uh, some of you guys were here last year when we did this series we called Lead Me. It was all about discipleship. And if you remember, one of the things that we, that we looked and we noticed was that when Jesus called to Andrew and Philip, when he called to James and John uh, to be his disciples, there was a very specific thing that he said to them. You guys that were here, does anybody remember the words that he used? They called out to them? Yeah, follow. Yes, you guys listened. Amen. Uh, right? Follow me. And that isn't just like a general, hey, come on, let's, let's go do something. In the first century, that was an invitation into a very specific kind of relationship. That, that Jesus was going to be their rabbi and he was going to be, they were going to be his disciples. He was going to teach them and they were going to be his students. And what they did was they literally left the things that they were doing and they went and followed Jesus. And from that point forward, they lived with Jesus. They spent their lives every day with him. They learned from Jesus. They sat at his feet and understood the world the way he understood it. And the goal of that discipleship was for them to become like To live with Jesus, to learn with Jesus, to become like Jesus. And when Jesus talks about uh, this concept and our relationship to him now, when we believe we become his disciples, we follow him. The goal of your faith is this relationship with Christ where you, where you live with Jesus, you learn from Jesus, and you follow Jesus. And, and, and the goal of your life is to become like Christ. That, that, that is what discipleship is. In 1 Corinthians 1.11, Paul says it like this, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Everyone in the Christian walk is aiming to imitate Jesus, right? Um, we, we, at the center of what we do and who we are as a church, is, is this desire to have people uh, in a relationship with Jesus that transforms their lives, that helps them become like So how does the church do that, right? How, how do we do that? Well, uh, actually, here again, we could look back to the scripture and say, what do we see the church doing? And in Acts 2, there's a really... A helpful window into how the early church actually did the work of following Jesus. Uh, I don't have time to get into it now. If you do the group study guide that our growth groups do, this is actually the passage you will be looking at together. Uh, and you guys may not even know that those exist, but we started this year. Uh, the messages have a set of discussion questions that can go along with them, and you can get them off the website just where you access uh, the message. But this week, it's about Acts 2. Uh, but just to give you a summary, when you look at Acts 2, how did the church live as the church? How did it make disciples? There are very specific things that we see the church doing. Uh, Acts 2 says the early church made disciples by gathering together for worship regularly. Uh, just like we're doing right now. That was part of what they did. They actually did it every day. Uh, a little bit more than, than I think most of us are ready for, right? But that's what they did. Uh, it also says they devoted themselves to the, to the Bible, to understanding Jesus' teaching. It says they spent time together in fellowship with friends, uh, walking this journey of faith together. It says they also gave sacrificially to those that were in need. They served the community. And in those things, what it says is God worked powerfully through that church in changing lives. Uh, 
And, and, and it was those regular, consistent practices that people learned that, that let them follow Jesus as disciples and become like Jesus. And that is, my friends, one of the key things that we're doing here at our church. It's one of the most important things that we do here. That's why we named it as part of our mission, discipleship. We follow Jesus. We want to, to make sure that we are building a church where, uh, where people are learning about, uh, about Jesus, that they're living with Jesus, and that they are actually being changed in who they are. I don't want you just to come and learn a bunch of stuff and get heavy in the brain, right? I, I want you to actually have a relationship with Jesus where you learn that changes your lives, so that they're, they're, you're different because of your relationship with God, that these fruits of the Spirit that the Bible talks about, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, like those things start coming out in you because you're following Jesus here as a part of this church. And, and we're going to commit to that, and we're, we're measuring that in some ways that we can. And, uh, and I just wanted to also share this. Um, this isn't, like, surprising for many of you that have walked with Jesus for a while, right? Like, you know, discipleship is a really important thing in the church. And so I, uh, I, when I was preparing for the message, I was just sitting there thinking, praying, like, God, is this happening? Like, is this happening at our church? And I, I'm just really thankful that, like, immediately when I asked that question, I thought uh, of person and then another person and then another person and then another person and then another person who I know being here in just three short years uh, not only has a deeper relationship with Christ, amen, a new relationship with Christ, amen, but, like, is I see their life being changed because they have been following Jesus as a part of the community. I want to tell you, it's happening. Some of you guys know it's happened in your own lives, and I am, I'm just so thankful. We're committed to it. We're going to do it better. It's a key part of why we exist. All right, here's the second piece uh, of the mission statement. Lead others to Jesus. Follow Jesus, lead others to Jesus. This is really about evangelism. That's the church word that we use to describe what lead others to Jesus is about. It's about sharing the good news. It's about seeing new people come to faith in Jesus. And, and this is something we're committed to because it's something that Jesus clearly and absolutely directs the church to do in the scripture. Uh, there's one passage, one of my favorites, that I, I want to read to you that just brings it home. It's uh, Matthew 29. Uh, I'll just read verses, uh, verses uh, 19 to 20. You got it before I did. Uh, okay, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. The last thing he says to them before he ascends into heaven, this is his command. Uh, he, he, does, he, he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Uh, and, and, and so... Uh, Jesus didn't talk in all caps. I did that, right? But I, I wanted you guys to see that, that, that he's urging us to think beyond our own selves and our own discipleship and saying, there's an action. I want you to see the people in the world that still don't know the good news about me. I want you to invite them to follow me and to be a part of this relationship that you have with me. 
This is, this is an absolutely essential part of, of why the church exists. It's not, we don't exist only for the sole purpose of ourselves. This isn't just a holy huddle. We exist for people that still don't know the life-changing relationship and the good news that we have with Jesus. This is about evangelism. And, and when we say part of our mission is to lead others to Jesus, we're making that a priority. We are saying we are committed to doing the work of evangelism. Uh, we are saying that baptisms matter, that this is something that, that every year we want to see new people come to a new relationship in Jesus Christ. We are going to celebrate when people come back to faith, when they, when they have walked away. We want to build a church. This is what this means practically. I want us to have a church here where people can, can feel like they belong even before they, they fully believe, right? If we're reaching new people, we need to be a place where folks that, that aren't quite sure about this Jesus thing can still come and be welcome and, and know, have some clue of what's going on, and that we design and build what we do so that those people can take a next step towards Christ. That's a really important thing. Uh, and, and that is why, for instance, uh, we've already been committed to this in some ways. But this welcome talk that we do every week, that Mary Lee says, right? It's the same thing. Has anybody noticed that? <laughs> it's the same thing. Who is that for? It's not, yeah, you guys have figured, it's not, it's not for us who are, who are here. It's so folks that are here for the first time are welcomed well and they know what to expect. And, and we're trying to lower the guards of people who don't, who don't yet know Christ. Man, we're trying to let them know they're welcome and this is what to expect. And we want them to have a, a good experience here so that, because for so many people, they have to actually belong long before they fully believe. And, and it's, just, it's just a really important part of, of who we are. I think one of my goals in this is that um, you would understand yourself and your role and what Jesus calls you to as a different, not just a person living life here in, in Fairland or Manville or Siena or Iowa Colony or Alvin, but a person that says, I'm a missionary in the place God's called me. Last week I talked about how one of the things we have to believe is that God builds his church through people like you and me. That's what he's always done. And that what we do matters eternally. And for you to see yourself in this place, that your, your calling here isn't just to have a job and, and, and raise a family or to, to just do whatever you're doing. There's a greater thing that God's called you to do. And there are people in your lives that Jesus has put there and is asking you to reach out to. You're a missionary. I want everybody to understand that and the core of, of who they are. And, uh, and, and when we get that, when we understand that, I know evangelism is scary, right? I, I get that. But I, I want us to be equipped and, and to live into uh, knowing that, that God really can work through us wherever we are and what we do matters. And we are committed to saying good news about Jesus with new people and making disciples. That's part of who we are. Here's the last bit uh, that's really important in our mission. Change the world. Change the world. We want to change the world as a church. And really the, the word that kind of helped us focus that in was impact, uh, positive impact. Uh, that, that's kind of what we're aiming for. And when you look at when Jesus talks about the church, when the Bible talks about the church, this is, this is really the last piece of, of the puzzle 
lots of the major ideas that come forward. The, the church has a positive impact in the places that it exists. This is one of the things that God calls, calls it to do. Um, it, it, it is supposed to make a change in its, in its community and even beyond its community. Right? What was the Great Commission said? It says, therefore, go into all nations, right? And, and so we, we need to understand that this is part of who we are. And just to share the scripture that really came to mind and brought this out, these are the words of Jesus actually in the same Sermon on the Mount that we read earlier. He's speaking to, to, to God's people. He says this, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You light things up. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, God's people, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As, uh, if you grew up in church, you may know the song inspired by the scripture that goes, this little light of mine. I see some people dancing. And their, and their lights up, right? And you don't hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine, right? Like, that what we learned as kids, uh, or that which you're learning now, and I'm happy to teach you this song if you don't know it yet, uh, is it, it's part of who we are. That's what Jesus is saying. This is part of who you are. You bring light to the world around you. You share my light. He said, I am the light of the world. And so we live and we point to the light of Christ in, in the very nature of who we are. And when you look at Acts 2, actually one of the things it says about that early church is, is, that, is that they gained the favor of all the people. They, they, they weren't even understood by the world around them, especially early on. Who are these random group of people that are gathering, right? We don't really understand them. We don't understand their God. We don't understand what they're doing. But they gain, we like them. We like what they do in this world. And you know, when I thought about how this, how this looked, and one of the things that I really am praying for and hoping for, and man, I hope your heart can get behind too, like just when I think about our world and the world that we live in that needs light, and it's just so polarized and, and angry and upset right now. And I, I think one of the dangers is that the church gets pulled into those culture wars and those battles, uh, and, and, and it's not to lessen our convictions, but, but to but, 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 but it, it makes me ask the question, like, instead of being known what we're against or what fights we're fighting, right, what if Redeemer could be a place where we were known for, for what we were for, for the good that we do, where people would say, man, I know, I know John and Sally from Redeemer, right? Uh, they're good people. I, 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 I think they go to that church. That church has done good things. And, and, and gain the favor of the people like the church did in Acts 2? What if we could be known for, for the impact, the positive things that we're doing in this community? That's part of, that's part of my heart. That's what I want to see. That, that's the difference where there's real light that people see and say, wow. You know, uh, and, and, and we're exploring this. You know, right now, I'm going to share more about this next week, but we are, we're trying to, to look at some ways that we can actually make a meaningful impact with a local school. We're, we're starting that conversation. How can we impact a school and, and, and have a, a real difference in the lives of the families that are there? Another thing we're looking to explore is how can we look at 
certain situations and people's lives and, and actually, as a church, come together and make, make a real difference in those situations? I, I want to I ask those questions. I want to answer those questions. It's happening. We're going to do this. We're, we're committed to it. It's, it's also why we look beyond this community, and in two weeks, uh, you guys may or may not know this, but we're sending a group of nine, ten people to Guatemala from Redeemer uh, to dig a water well so with, with living water uh, so that people in this village who have not had clean running water can have clean running water. That's how we make an impact uh, in Jesus' name for the good of the community. And that's what we're committed to doing. Y'all, this is who we are. We follow Jesus, we lead others to Jesus, and we change the world. This is us. It's our mission. I hope you guys, uh, I, I know it's not flashy, but that's good. I think it's straightforward, and it defines who we are and where we're going and what we're committed to, and I think it's going to lead us into an absolutely beautiful winter picture. I hope you're excited about it. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for, um, I just want to thank you for the work that you've done in our church to get us to this point. I want to thank you for uh, the hearts and the minds of the people who have been praying and involved. And, and Lord, I, I pray now that we shared this day that, that everybody's heart would be stirred and that we would see uh, what you've called us to be and who we are and that we would build Redeemer on a solid foundation led by you, Lord Jesus. We uh, pray that as the Spirit's been at work speaking this morning, you would work in our lives, uh, Lord, and that you, you would lead us. Open the doors for us to, to be the church you call us to be. In your name, we pray.